It's the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder. Today on the podcast, we have part 43 from our series on the Gospel of John. We're picking up in John chapter 12, where Mary anoints the feet of Jesus. We're going to be looking at what it means to live generously, forgiving in our faith and the ways of Jesus. Also, just a reminder that September 17th, we will have our Alpha Intro Dinner. Invite a friend out. It's at 6.30 that evening. We have some live music, some good food. It'll be a great time. Well, for now, let's head to the talk. Thanks for listening. North Shore Vineyard Church. I want each of you to imagine a time in your life, remember a time where you've given something that cost you. You've given something costly. Uh, it was worth tremendous value to you. Uh, maybe, maybe uh, for, for some of the guys in here, uh, how many guys shelled out some, some bucks on an engagement ring before, right? I was shelling out bucks I didn't even have. I was in debt for my first couple of years of marriage on that, that little ring. And um, maybe, maybe, in your, maybe in your life you've, you've given away money to somebody who was in need. And it, was, it, it actually actually set you back to help somebody else out. I'm not talking about 10 bucks, but you, 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 you help somebody out. Maybe you've given some of your stuff. Maybe you've, uh, man, I've, I've seen people give away all kinds of crazy things in my years as a Christian. Cars and uh, instruments and stuff like that. What is it that you have given away that cost you something? And when I say cost you, I mean, for some of you, if you got a lot more stuff, maybe it doesn't cost you to give away certain things that it would be a big sacrifice to other people but what was it imagine that in your mind because today we're going to talk about a lady who gave away something that was ridiculously expensive we kind of we, we finished that series on the prodigal son and we talked about the word prodigal a couple of weeks ago meaning uh just giving over the top generosity just just wastefully like just that's excessive well that's this this is a prodigal woman i'm just going to use that word prodigal every week now uh, she pours out something worth so much in a wasteful way for Jesus. John 12, verse 1 through 8 says this. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served, because that's what Martha does, while Lazarus, Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard. Just a funny word, I'm sorry. <laughs> nard. An expensive perfume. It doesn't have an expensive perfumey name, but it was. An expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As the keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you. But you will not always have me. So this is kind of a, a strange scene. I mean, if I'm honest, 
I've not been any place. When, when we think of perfume, let's, let's, let's think of it like it's, it's like this ointment, this oil that is fragrant. So it's not, not like the stuff you find in Macy's that you just spray on. It's, it's a different kind of substance. I've never been to a party where somebody pours oil on somebody. I'm not even going to say anything about that. <laughs> But here, Mary pours out something that's not just perfume. It's not just something that, we're not going to recover, are we? (laughs) Deep breath. (laughs) Mary doesn't just give something that smells good. This is like the equivalent of a lottery ticket, a winning lottery ticket. This is a 401k. This is a house payment. If you're a woman, we've said this before, if you're a woman in that time of the world, it's not like you could go to college and get a career and be successful like that. If you were a woman, you were pretty much confined to uh, work in the home. And to have something that was this valuable, it it could have been passed down from her family. Uh, This was a big deal. And so this, this, this is her financial security. And yet... She gives this thing that is, that is costly, that could be used on her own wedding day. It could be used so many things, and she just wastes it on Jesus. Now, it's interesting the, the, what Mary's one of these characters that she's always just hanging with Jesus. Like, she just loves being with Jesus, and she always takes a lot of flack for worshiping Jesus. And so the flack that she takes this time is not from Martha, it's from Judas, Oh, I can't believe, you know, we could have, think of all the poor people we could have fed with this lavish gift. And, uh, and Jesus says, look, this thing that she did today, you don't understand. It's, it, it, she, she has actually got a hold of the heart of God. She has actually per, uh, participated in something that's prophetic, that foretells what's going to happen in the next couple of days. She's preparing me for my burial. Now, there's a lot of different motivations that we can use for giving in our world, right? Um, There is giving to get. Have you ever given something to get something before? Anybody want to be honest? Yes, okay. That's That's the way the world works. Have you ever been invited to somebody's house for dinner? You think that they invited you because they like you? And then you get halfway through dinner and they're like, well, now that you're here we got this amazing product we want to sell you. <laughs> like, dang it, I thought you liked me. <laughs> Oftentimes, I grew, up in, uh, I grew up in traditions which talked about uh, giving to get stuff from God. So it was always, I mean, if you, if you think my messages are long, I grew up, I went to churches where, like, my message, it would have been the offering message. There's a 30-minute message before we pass the, the plate around. If there ain't enough money in there, we're going to pass it around again. We're going to lock the doors. But I was taught many years that, that we look at God as if, if we want to get money, we give money. If we want to get blessing, we give. But, we're, but the motivation was always giving to get. Now, I will say this. Paul says that there is sowing and reaping, and, and that works to a certain extent. But the problem is you can divorce that from relationship with God. You can work a program. Uh, there's... All kinds of other books that aren't Christian, like The Secret and stuff that talk about, you know, law of attraction and stuff. And, and you know, there's, there's something to that. But you can do that without 
having any love in your heart. You can work it like a 401k, like the stock market, whatever. You can do that without loving God. You can give to get. Then there's giving for recognition. I've, I've been to certain churches. Maybe Have you ever seen churches that have bricks with people's names on it? Okay, I have. You know, you go to universities, they have buildings with people's names on it. These are the people who gave, and they're recognized for their giving. Now, that's not all bad, but Jesus, Jesus tells the Pharisees, he says, look, you guys are some of the best givers ever. I mean, when it comes to tithing, you don't just give your money. You tithe down to the smallest seeds and herbs, like cumin seed, a little bitty seed if you ever ground up any cumin. And he's like, you, 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 you're so legalistic about your giving you give down the smallest thing but he said it's it's all just a show for you guys it's just like when you pray you pray these loud king james prayers for everybody to hear and think you're so spiritual but it's only it's only for recognition and you get your reward that's it the applause of people it's 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 it's, it's of no spiritual value there's giving to get giving for recognition then there's giving for power a lot of times, have you ever had somebody give something to you and really it was a power play? Because you know that there's, we talk about there being no strings attached. You know there's strings attached to it, right? They're going to give you something. They may act like there's no strings attached, but someday down the road they're going to call that favor back in, right? Remember when I gave you that thing. That's what they do in Congress and lobbying groups, all that stuff, right? Lobbying groups take care of the congressmen, wine and dine them, give them tickets to football games and stuff. And then it's like, now that it's time to vote on this issue, I'd like you to remember all those steak dinners and those uh, LSU games or whatever. There's giving as a way to control and use power on people. But then, the kind of giving we're talking about today is giving motivated as an act of love. Now, I think every one of us in here has given out of love before. You know when you give out of love because it's, it's just not hard, right? I mean, when I first met my wife, it's like, man, I'll give anything to be with you. And you sing crazy songs like, I'll climb the highest mountain. I'll fight a grizzly bear for you. I'll do anything. You know? Like, it just doesn't matter when you're in love with someone. It's, it's just you, you, you've let go of everything. It's an act of love. Sacrifice, it's, it's not even hard. When you're not in love, sacrifice is a little hard. Which brings me to a quote that I want to say. I, I heard this the other day. Uh, you can sacrifice without love, but you cannot love without sacrifice. You can sacrifice without love. It's possible. Actually, the Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians uh, 3. He says, 13.3, he says, I, if I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but don't have love, I gain nothing. It's, it's possible to sacrifice even greatly, even on a large scale, but, but without love, it's, it's really doing you nothing. But it's impossible to love without sacrifice. If you love anything, you love any person, it's going to cost you. I get an amen. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Now, those early days of butterflies in your stomach, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> but there may come a point, and we talk about this in our marriage course, that 
there may, they may come a point, it may be a couple of weeks after that honeymoon, <laughs> which it was for me, or a couple of months later, a couple of years later, where all of a sudden you just don't feel in love. And you still got to sacrifice. It's possible to sacrifice without love, but it's impossible to love without sacrifice. So we have this beautiful act of Mary giving, not to get something from God. She's not trying to work some plan like, God, I'm going to give you this perfume, and I'm expecting you give me a mansion back. She's not trying to control God or manipulate God. She's not giving for recognition. She's just simply in love with Jesus. And she's like, you know, I'm taking the greatest thing I have, and I'm going to offer it to Jesus. And Jesus says, when, when people criticize, he says, look, this woman... She's got a hold of the heart of God. She's actually caught up with, with a story that's bigger than her. She doesn't even realize that the act that she's doing right here at this moment is prophetic. She's actually participating with the whole reason why Jesus came to this earth. Now, I'm going to get to this passage probably another uh, week or so. After this, this feast with Jesus... Uh, we see Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And Jerusalem welcomes him as a king. Now, now I want to say a little bit of what, what's going on. That party that, that Jesus was at where Mary anoints his feet, it's likely due to the fact that he just raised Lazarus from the dead. And they're probably just having a good old time because Lazarus is there. They're celebrating what Jesus did. They're happy to be alive. It's like that prodigal feast thing. Like, he was dead. He's alive again. This is Bethany is kind of on the suburbs of, of Jerusalem, and it was one of Jesus' favorite places to go. He had Mary, Martha, Lazarus, another guy, Simon the leper, who he had healed, and they were his best friends. And so when Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead of just a short time before this, it was a very public miracle. Many of the miracles that Jesus did were kind of off to the side, but this one everybody saw. And word was starting to get out now that Jesus, I think he's the guy. I think he's the Messiah. Death doesn't even seem to have dominion over him. He can raise people from the dead. And so Jesus, after this dinner party, the next thing we see is that he's heading to Jerusalem. And he's welcomed as the Messiah, as the king. And they think he's, he's, he's going to change things. He's our leader. Now, when I look at... In my life, you know, when I look at politics or even just in history, right before an election, presidents like to say things with nice little sound bites, right? You know, something that you can remember. I remember when I was a kid, Ronald Reagan was uh, one more for the Gipper, right? Anybody remember that? <laughs> I don't know what it meant back then, but is there anybody who uh, remembers? What? Okay. Um, then there was George Bush Sr., no new taxes, right? Uh, read my lips, <laughs> read my lips. Then there was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He said, you know, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Ask not what you can do for your country, or what your country can do for you, or what, yeah, <laughs> switch that around. <laughs> if I was president, <laughs> that's how I'd say it. Uh, <laughs> Then I, then I, I remember uh, when 
Obama was elected the first year, you know, the, the, the slogan was hope for change. This is the kind of stuff that you say when you, when you want to rally the troops. When you want to get people on board, you say, just dig in. You know, things are going to be different. It's worth it, the sacrifice. What does Jesus say when he's coming to Jerusalem and it's time for him to give his uh, speech, you know, his pre-election speech? He says this in John 12, verse 23. The hour is coming for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. What? <laughs> What's all this talk about dying? Like, you, you raised Lazarus from the dead. Everybody's behind you. They're, the crowds are, are they're on your side. Like things are going. Why all this talk about dying? See, what we see with Mary when she pours out the oil, we see that, that even though many people around Mary saw it as ridiculous, as weak, as a waste of money, she was actually participating in the kingdom. She was living the ways of the kingdom. And, and now when we see Jesus in Jerusalem, welcomed in by the masses, Jesus is saying, look, yes, I'm the Messiah, I'm the king, but I'm a different kind of king. See, the kingdoms of this world, they, they do things by grabbing for power, grabbing for prom prominence, by domination, by shock and awe and violence. That's the way the kingdoms of our world work. But Jesus says, no, my kingdom comes not at the end of a sword, my kingdom comes through self-sacrificial love. See, what Mary did earlier on in this chapter is, is a prophetic picture of what Jesus is ultimately going to do. He's going to be the seed that falls in the ground and dies. As Paul would later reflect on it in Galatians, Paul says that Jesus is the seed of Abraham. The seed of Abraham by which everybody gets into the covenant of God. Based on the righteousness of Jesus. Jesus' faithfulness. The world around us grabs for things. But the way of the kingdom is open hands. The way of kingdom may look like utter foolishness. It may look like weakness. But it is the very power of God. It's in giving. In forgiving. In letting go in humility, and in peacemaking. That's the way of the kingdom of God. I think probably two of the greatest signs of spiritual maturity in the life of a believer is when it comes to giving and forgiving. I've seen Christians that have been in church for decades, and they're resentful and stingy. You ever been around like anybody like that? They're faithful to go to church every week, but they're just bitter and stingy. They're holding on to everything. But you know what that tells me? You have not, you're not matured at all. And the Apostle Paul, in, in the famous love chapter, he, after he gives all the attributes of love, he says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I reasoned like a child, I thought like a child, but, but now I put aside childish things. You know, when you're, when you're a baby... Or, or a toddler, you don't have a lot of compassion on other people. You really think you're the center of the universe, right? Like, 
Everyone exists for me. I am it. Serve me, feed me, clean me, you know? That's natural when you're a baby. But Paul says, I put aside childish things for the way of love. And love lets go. It doesn't hold on. It doesn't try to control. It doesn't seek its own way. It doesn't try to manipulate things or dominate things. Love is evidenced in the way that we're generous and the way that we're forgiving. I have seen relatively young Christ followers who are very forgiving and very generous. And it shows me that they're a lot more mature than people who've just shown up at church but who have never opened their hearts to God. Because if you're still being stingy with your resources, if you're still uh, nursing resentment, if you're still holding on to things, then that shows me that you've, you've, you've yet to really open up your heart to the grace of God. You're still holding on. You're still playing that same game that the world plays. You're still playing that power, domination, grabbing for stuff game. What we see in the life of Mary, what we see in the life of Jesus, is that the kingdom, the, the way of the kingdom is letting go. It's release. You know, there was something about when Mary... Think about it. When she gives this amazing gift to Jesus, it's not just a, a, an, an incredible act of love. It's an incredible act of trust, right? She's giving something that's worth a year's salary in one night, just letting it go. You know what that tells me? She's trusting God. She's trusting God with her future. She's not, it's not just about that moment. She, it, that moment actually gives light to everything else. That God, I, I, I love you enough that I'm, I'm just letting this go. And, and I know that, that, that my life is in your hands. When we give lavishly, when we, when we open up our hands and open up our hearts, it, it's also an act of trust. So I want you to think of a time, as I asked you at the beginning, think of a time in your life when you gave something costly not to get something or for recognition or for power, but as an act of love. Think of a time in your life where you've done that. And the second question I want to ask is, what do you think keeps you from doing this more often? Now, I'd like to act like I'm the most generous, forgiving person, you know, in here. But even when I look at these qu questions and ask them myself, I realize, you know, like, I don't, I don't really trust God the way that I should. I'm not as generous as I want to be. At the end of the day, sometimes, and, and I find that the times I struggle with this the most is when the finances come in, you know, when, when the, the bills are getting paid, when I got more money than I had two years ago, it's harder to let it go. It's so easy to trust in our stuff and our money and, 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 and not just that, our own dreams, our own reasoning, our own reputation. What are the things that keep you from being, uh, from opening up your hands? What are the things today that you need to offer to God the way Mary offered this gift to God? What are you holding on to? I think... You know, there, there's some obvious things. There's some, there, there may be some sin issues or addiction issues that we need to offer to God. But I think sometimes it can even be 
some of our desires. So sometimes you camp out on, on a desire, like if I don't get a mate, if I don't get this, this other person to, 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 to marry me, then we, we hold that up so tightly. Or maybe your dreams of a, of a certain kind of career or job or, or certain thing that, that you're hoping will work out and it hasn't worked out and you're just holding on to it and it's become a barrier between you and God. Maybe this morning is the time to let that go. It's not just the sin. It's not just bad stuff. What do we need to let go of? Maybe it's actual some of our stuff. Who knows? I want to invite the band up here. And we're going to close uh, with time of worship and communion.